Proverbs chapter 5. Solomon is giving some instructions to his son in this chapter. That's essentially what the book of Proverbs is about. A father instructing his son about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And you say, well, I'm older. I don't need instruction from a father. But the more you read it, you realize it's more than an earthly father giving earthly son instructions, but a heavenly father giving his children instructions. And I say this, you're never too old to receive instructions. And you certainly will never get too old to receive instructions from God. Anyone that cuts their ears off, God giving them instruction, His Word, is not a wise man this morning. To the youngest, to the oldest in here this morning, all of us here need instructions from the Lord. And the book of Proverbs has a lot of instructions from the heart of our father to the heart of his children. Solomon is giving instructions to his son, but there's a verse that Solomon speaks. It's just a one-verse testimony that I want to get to in just a minute. And he gives it to us. Let us stand, chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard as discretion, that they but, but, and thy, thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Her end is bitter and wormwood, and sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold of hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of light, her ways are movable, that thou cannot know them. Let me, let me pause right there for a minute. It said her ways are movable. I see a lot of that in the world today. This world is always trying to come up with something new, a new way in trying to get your attention, trying to get your heart away from God, constantly changing, constantly moving. But the end result is always the same. I'm glad the ways of the Lord are not moving. And like the way the world does. I'm glad we serve a God that said I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm glad that we serve a God that says I am the Lord. I change not. Amen. I'm glad of this. The word is forever settled in heaven. God is not going to get up in the morning and says, well, let's just rewrite it. Uh, I, I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm going to throw. No, God has settled it. The day I got saved, I'm heading in a direction. I'm still heading in that same direction today. I'm still walking in it today. Verse 7, he said, Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy far from her and her, and come not nigh to the door of her house. Lest thou 
honor thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with the, thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of strangers. And mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And they say, Have I hated instructions and my heart despised reproof? And he have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instruct me. Here's, here's Solomon, this one-verse testimony that stood out. I was almost in all evil. In the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Let's read that again. I was almost in all evil. Where? In the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We humble our hearts. Lord, this message is weighing heavy on me. Lord, I pray that you take it and, and apply it where it needs to be applied in our lives, Lord. And Father, we just ask you to open our hearts. Let us receive your word. And Father, we'll praise you. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I'd like to preach just for a few moments this morning on this thought. In church, but living on the edge. In church, but living on the edge. Solomon said, I was almost in all evil. Where was he almost in all evil? In the midst of the congregation and the assembly. We see who's talking here is Solomon. That's interesting to find that Solomon has a godly heritage. He has a goodly heritage. His father is a sweet psalmist of Israel. His grandfather was Jesse, a godly man. Here Solomon is a man that was raised up in the house of God. His daddy get him up in the morning and says, We're going to the house of God. He watched his daddy worship. He watched his daddy sing. He watched his daddy write the psalms. He writes all that stuff. All those things he saw what was going on. Solomon is no stranger to the things of God or to the Word of God. But I want you to listen this morning. It doesn't matter how many church services you go to, how many you've been in this last week. I'm telling you, there is an enemy that is still trying to get your heart. Trying to get your mind out of the place where you should be this morning. Some of y'all knows what it's like to have a daddy to come home with liquor on his breath. Some of you may know what it's like to have a mama that would never come home. Couldn't find her. She wouldn't show up. You know what it's like to have a house that was in disarray. You know what it's like to see things fighting and arguing. But there are some that are sitting here this morning and they have no clue of what's going on like that. They didn't live through that kind of thing. They had a godly heritage in their life. They were sheltered by God and the things of this world. 
They were kept safe in a place. And we thank God for that. But don't you think because you were, came to church, raised in church, uh, and you've been there every time the door is open on Sunday, Sunday night and Wednesday, do not think that you can't live on the edge and the devil pull you out. Solomon is one here speaking this. We, we see his proximity or his closeness to the evil. I was almost in all evil. He has not fell off the wagon yet, but he's real close. He has not totally fell into the world, but he's leaning that way. I don't know if any of you know this, but if it's good to look around your house, if you see a tree and it's leaning toward your house, the tree falls the way it's leaning. The tree falls the way it's leaning. I've watched many a people lean towards the world Laying towards sin. And we, we think, well, then get, they get out on the own, uh, they'll be all right. They, they, they'll get more spiritual when they're out on the own. No. They're going to fall the way they're leaning right now. And, and young people, let me just tell you this this morning. If you're leaning to go away, if you're still leaning to the things of this world, when you get old enough, you're going to fall out there. And the old saying is, the grass is not greener on the other side. Watch which way you're leaning. When they start leaning towards the lost crowd, start running with the lost crowd, they're leaning that way. But yet in the midst of the congregation and the assembly, they're sitting here. We see his closeness to the evil here. Some of you haven't fall off yet, but some of you are dabbling. That looks good. You know, you know when, you, when you used to go swimming, when you first get to that swimming pool, you didn't dive right in. Check that toe in. Ooh, see how cold that water is, what that water was like. If it was warm, you jump in. If it's cold, you kind of eased into it. That's what a lot of Christians are doing today. They're easing into sin. And they don't realize, hey, as soon as you get into it, it's going to burn you. I, I read this story. It's been a long time ago. It's a good illustration, so I'll use it. If you don't want to hear it, just take a nap. Uh, this, this trucking company was going to hire some people to move some precious cargo up a mountain. And, and the mountain had curved roads like this, and it just went out and just strange. It had no guard uh, guardrails on it or anything like that. Uh, and you, if the road was very narrow, and, and they needed people to drain, take the cargo from the bottom to the top of the mountain. So they had, had three guys to come in and interview. 
The first guy came in interviewing, he's t- they was telling him, this is the mountain we want you to go up. Uh, we got precious cargo to go up. Uh, the roads wind like that and there's no guardrails or anything. He said, well, I've been up that road several times. He said, how, how close to the edge can you get? He said, well, I can get 12 inches from the edge. 12 inches. That's pretty impressive, 12 inches. So the next guy come in, he tells him the same thing, the mountaintop, the curvy roads, no guardrails, got precious cargo, got to get up there and everything. And, and he says, how, how, how close can you get to the edge? He says, well, I've been up that several times. I can get within six inches of that edge. Man, I said, boy, that's impressive. That's real impressive. Third guy come in and tells them the same thing. He got the mountain and curvy roads, no guardrails, precious cargo. Go up. How close can you get to the edge? The man looked at him and said, what do you mean how close to the edge can I get? He said, my whole intent is to stay away from the edge. Because if you get too close, you're going to fall in. I don't want to get that way. I'm just telling you, there's Christians in churches today that are living on the edge, but yet they're in church and one day they're going to fall off. Amen. We see the place that he was at. I was almost an evil. evil. He's not sitting at a bar stool. <laughs> no, you expect the evil be there. I was almost an evil down at the nightclub. No, not what he said. This is what Solomon said, I was almost an evil in the midst of a congregation in the assembly. He's not in the world. He's not down at your local bar. He's sitting in church. He's sitting among the congregation. He's in the assembly. It's an old picture of what we, uh, the Old Testament, of what we're doing this morning. He said, I was almost, my, I almost got my heart and my mind totally on evil. Sitting in the house of God. You listen to me this morning. It is highly possible sitting on a pew in a church and your heart be just as messed up. Your mind is messed up. Your heart and mind could be somewhere else over yonder, but while you're sitting on the pews in the church, you say, how do you know that? Because I've watched people do that. And if we all be honest with you, if we all be honest with each other this morning, at least be honest with yourself, I have been leaning myself. I have gotten close to, to the edge myself. It wouldn't have took much to push me over. I got close to the edge. There is a constant fight. You say, I'm coming to church. That's good. You say, I'm, I, I, I'm serving the Lord. That's good. I'm telling you, there is a constant push to try to fight evil in your life this morning. While you're in the midst of the congregation in this assembly. Now, I don't know if y'all like me, but I got up this morning and I was trying to think of all kinds of excuses not to come to church. 
I'm the only one. <laughs> we, we fight this, this, this evil, and it wears us out. You let coldness come into your life. You let it get drawn you out. And it'll pull you out of the house of God. Listen to this. I want you to get this. I looked at it and it just hit us. Man. Don't miss this. The abomination of these last days that we're living in are no different than any of the days that was in the Old Testament. You, you say, what about the homosexual crowd? Did you not read Genesis? You not read Genesis? Solomon, Gomorrah. God burned the whole city up because of their wickedness. The Old Testament, that's why God tells His people, don't mess with that stuff. Don't go down that path. They had corrupt politicians. They had liquor. They had abuse. They had all kinds of things that we've got today. There's nothing different except for one thing. Except for one thing. It is the accessibility and the acceptability toward those abomination against God. We're living in a day where the, the, the abomination uh, uh, hasn't changed the heart of man. It's still a deceitful and, and above all things wicked. It is the accessibility to get to those abominations. Listen to me. It's possible to have all kinds of abomination in your pocket while you sit. You pull that little thing out. You'll. Mm, I don't understand why parents would give a five-year-old or six-year-old a seven. I don't understand why we give a nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen-year-old a phone. You realize what they have in their hand? It is an abomination. It don't take much to flip through that and find all kinds of things that go against God. That's what's wrong with our kids today. And may I say this, that's wrong with a lot of adults today too. You go, you go to a store nowadays and all you see people, especially kids, I mean, you, 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 they run into things because they can't take away that from them. It's abomination. We've got it so accessible, so easy to get to. You can go home, flip on your computer, and just pull up anything you want to see. You don't even have to pull up your computer. Turn your TV on. It is most ungodly stuff on TV today that we sit and let our kids watch it. And then we wonder why our kids are out in the world serving the devil. It is easy 
to stand and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. And go home and watch some of the vilest videos. The prodigal son in Luke 15, he had to leave home to get what he wanted. We have a lot of prodigal sons sitting in churches on our pews today. And we don't even realize it. And that's what bothers me. It's the accessibility to all the evil today. We're living today where you do what you want, do what you want, how you want it, wherever you want to do it at. In fact, we're living in a day where churches allow anything to come in, set up, and take count. Start to grow. They're not preaching God's word. You say nothing about what goes on in the church. You let evil come in. It'll start pulling people away. You can be part of a church. You can be preaching in a church. But living on the edge. You can be singing in a church. Living on the edge. So how do I fight? How do I keep me from getting too close to the edge? How, how do I combat the evil that's trying to pull me? How do I tell the devil I, I'm not going that way? Let me give you three things out of this scripture we just read. Try to help you in what we need to do in our lives. There's a reason why all these uh, come as you are, leave as you came uh, outfitters are popping up. It, it, people are running to them. You say, why? Because, because they're accepting whatever goes down, whatever they're doing, whatever they're bringing in, they're accepting of it. Listen, we'll accept anyone to come and sit in the pews and get preached to and sung to. But we're not accepting of your lifestyle. Not accepting of your sinful behavior. We want you to get right. We want you to come in. We want you to get right with God. But until that happens, just sit and get preached to. You know, I don't want people to come to church and feel comfortable. I don't. You say we got comfortable pews. Some people say they're not, but I think they are. But I don't want people to come to church and when I preach get so comfortable in what they're doing in their lifestyle and how they're living that it doesn't convict them of anything. I want you to be convicted. You say I'm a Christian. I don't want to live on the edge. Praise God for you this morning. But we know there's times the devil is going to pull you towards the edge. I know that. I'm aware of that. 
And I think you're smarter than that. I, I don't think, let me just say this, this is preventive maintenance, preventive preaching. I don't believe we have anybody in here on the edge, but if we do, pay attention. I'm going to give you some help this morning. The first thing that happens when we get towards the edge is because we stop listening. We stop listening. I, I wish sometimes, I really do, I wish sometimes that we had two screens on both sides and I wear this little camera on my forehead and am I standing up there it looked back at because sometimes what I look at it might just shock you. Sometimes I don't know if you're here or not. I don't know if I need to call 911 to see if you're breathing. If they did, they come in and had to check 10 or 15 of you to see which one has done passed away. Amen. Amen. I, I wish you could see it. I've been, I've been in one church and, and I was probably the youngest one in the church. <laughs> I was preaching my heart out. I was preaching it. And it was a full church and all I seen was <laughs> couldn't move a soul. I thought because they're old I guess they can't get up, can't walk, can't do nothing else. Thing. Preacher come to me and said brother I don't think we want you to come back here. I said, why? He says, you preach too hard. <laughs> These people don't like hard preaching. <laughs> what do they like? They like they like cake preaching, ice cream preaching. Oh, everybody's good. Everybody's going to heaven. You start speaking like that, people start smiling. I'm going to heaven. Living like a hell outside. I'm going to heaven. The problem is, we're not listening to the words of God. We're not listening to the preaching of the Word of God. We're not listening. We just come in as we are and leave as we came. Amen. Listen. A lot of people, not a Christian, is not facing verse number 12. And say how I hated instructions. And my heart despised reproof. I don't believe we have anybody here like that this morning. But it's for the young and the old here this morning. I know there's been people to come into this church here. I know that. And, and, and when you preach on a subject, when you preach on a subject, you can see the hatred in their eyes. They don't want that. They don't want to hear that. But it's God telling them there's something wrong in your life. You need to get straightened out in it. And, and they just look at you. You don't preach. I tell you what, you, you want to get somebody riled up, start preaching against alcohol. Some Baptists just love that stuff. You preach it's a sin to drink, oh, they'll jump up in your face. Where in the Bible says it is sin? The Bible says no drunkard should live in heaven. I, I, I used to drink, but uh, now if I drunk one beer, I'd be one-sixth drunk. Amen. I, I stay away from things. <laughs> We've got an addictive, 
side of us. I stay away from things that's going to pull me closer to the edge. If I know being around alcohol is going to get me closer to the edge, I'll stay away from it. And if I know women is going to pull me closer to the edge, I'll stay away from them. And I know of women, if a man's going to pull you closer to the edge, stay away from the especially you married ones. Amen. You don't think women come to church dressed up like that just because they want to? No, they got the eye on somebody. Amen. Stay away from the things. We're not listening to the Word of God. I don't know how people sit under the Holy Ghost preaching like we had during revival. Hearing the Word of God being convicted and yet still live on the edge. And then finally, finally falling out of the window like Eudasus did when Peter was preaching. We have too many people that's just living on the edge. They don't want no instructions. They don't want no teaching. They're just living on the idea, here, edge. Paul said in Acts 20, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. With tears. The idea of warning is uh, going all the way back to the Old Testament with the watchman on the towers, on the walls. The Bible says, Obey them that have rule over you, for they watch for your souls. That's what a preacher is supposed to do. I'm a watchman on the wall. Preacher, you got it figured out? By all means, no, I don't. I don't have it all figured out. I'm just like you. I still live in the flesh. I make mistakes. I fall. But none of those things define you. What defines you, what defines you is when you do fall, what do you do then? We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. But get up and keep going. We need each other. Pray for each other. When we see danger ahead in our lives, we need to warn people. It's my job as a seer. It's my job to, to stand and watch and warn you of things that will destroy your soul. Destroy your family. Destroy your home. Destroy your walk with God. I'm here to warn you this morning. I, I, I don't have this uh, understanding why preachers call themselves now life coaches. I'm not a life coach. Oh, it's time to go. Time to get up. Right? No, I'm not that. I'm here to warn you. I'm here to tell you some things that's wrong in your life. You need to get right. I'm here to warn you. See, the problem is 
when we hear the warnings and we hear the word of God, we don't apply it to our lives. We have this idea that when the preacher preaches and he says something, well, that really don't mean me. That means somebody else in the church. That's somebody else. I, 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 I don't do it all the way like that, but that means for somebody else. Or we get so excited about it while we're sitting in church in the congregation, but yet when we leave, we totally forget about it. Don't apply it to our lives. You get too close to the edge when you stop listening to the Word of God. You get close to the edge when you stop liking what God has given you. He, he starts out telling about this strange woman. At the verse 14, uh, from verse 15 all the way down to verse 20, he starts telling them, be satisfied. Stay in love with the wife of his youth. Verse 19, he says, Let her satisfy thee in all times and be ravished always with her love. In other words, he is telling him, Here is how you stay away from the edge. Stay in love with what God has given you. What God has put in your life. This is why I get hooked up on, hung up on when I was reading this and thinking this. And I said, man, I, I, I'd hate to think, Lord God, help me. I would hate to think there's any man in here sitting around looking at some other woman and say, well, I sure wish I had that. <laughs> or any woman sitting around here saying, oh, I sure wish I had that man right there. We're not satisfied with God giving us. We want to go out and get our own. Amen. You don't think that don't happen in church. It happens in church. Why? Because they're not listening. Hey, and they're not, they're not pli- they don't love what God has given them. Let me just say, husband, you ought to love your wife. Wife, you ought to love your husband. That should be it right there. I'm not looking for another one. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if I survive this one, I'll be all right. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it out there. Y'all wouldn't see it anyway. A surefire way to get on the edge when you're not satisfied with the things that God has given you. What God has planted in your life. You start wanting something different. Just like the children of Israel. God gave them manna. God gave them manna. God gave them manna. They start whining and complaining and says, We want flesh. We want flesh. Our soul loathed this bread. We're sick of it. We're sick of what God has given us. He's just saying, if we can just get a little bit of flesh here. If we can just get a little bit of carnality here. We would be happy. 
Listen, Solomon's not the only one that didn't uh, uh, stay in love like the, with God had given him, uh, lived on the edge. In Psalm 73, a song of Asaph we just heard about this morning. He was a song leader and a song every, every day. He is a worship every day. Uh, he said, truly God is good to Israel. Even to such as of the clean heart. But as for me, my feet almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Why? Why did his steps already slip? Because he got to looking at the world and what they were enjoying and what they were doing, and he got envious, and that's what he wanted. He said, I saw the prosperity of the world. He got to looking at the wicked man and said, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that. Can I tell you, if you look at that stuff, there's a hook in it. It's just like a fish. When it bites the hook, you hook it. You can pull it in. The devil says, I'm going to throw some stuff out there that's going to hook you. And when I hook you, you're just going to come on in and you'll pull out of it. I tell you, there's enough people here this morning can tell you to stand and testify. There is no hope out there in this world. They said that I had more than heart could wish for. He, he realized at the end that he had all that he needed. Man, they got it all, but at the end he found out he had it all, that he, everything he needed. The Bible says uh, these things were an example to us. The intent we should not lust after the evil things, as I also lusted. Be careful what you start craving for. Be careful what you get to place where your preaching ain't enough, singing ain't enough, worshiping ain't enough, living and serving God ain't enough. Can I tell you I'm totally satisfied with Jesus? I, I'm not looking for a new way. I'm not looking for a new version of the Bible. I'm not looking for a new way of worshiping. I'm satisfied with the things of God. I have tasted the good graces of God. And I like what God has given me. Stay away from the edge. You've got to make sure you're listening. Stay away from the edge. You've got to make sure you love what God has placed in your life. When you no longer care if God is looking at you. Verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he pondereth all his goings. Look, you look up here at me. Don't worry about me. I am nothing. Don't worry about the membership. We're not the judge. 
You're not going to give an account to me. You're not going to give account to the membership. But I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. Do you realize that God sees everything that you do? I'm amazed how people think that they can do things in secret. Nobody knows. But God knows. And I'd, I'd be a very afraid of what I do in secret because the Bible says what's done in secret is going to be brought to light. I'd be very afraid if I was there. Remember, God is seeing you. He knows where you are. He knows your heart. I don't know your heart. Congregation don't know your heart. But God knows your heart. And one day, they're going to stand before God and give an account for everything that we ever did. I know there are people today that says, I wish God would get off my back. I, I, I wish God would just leave me alone. I, I don't want them people telling me about Jesus. I just wish they all just go away. I don't like to hear that no more. But can I tell those people, one day you're going to get exactly what you wish for. One day, you'll stand before God. And they said, hey, hey, give you an account of all your deeds. Uh, and you're going to look in the book and not find your name. And the Bible says you're going to be cast out into outer darkness. Weeping, gnashing, teeth. Not to come no more. They're going to get one day what they thought. Can I say this? There are some people. I had a friend. He's a pastor. And uh, he started preaching. He went to Chicago. When he got in Chicago, Chicago got him. He slipped off in some drugs and alcohol. Totally out. No months. He was walking the streets of Chicago. And finally he woke up one day in the ditch. drunk, don't know how he got there and everything. And he came to his sense, he says, Lord, if you get me out of this ditch, I'll serve you again and I'll never go back. God got him out of the ditch, but God wouldn't let him preach for a long time. He couldn't even walk into the pulpit. He had to stay away from the pulpit, but God just would not let him get up there. He just felt an over overpowering force to just push him back, he said. He said, Jimmy, when God did open that door again, let me step in that pulpit. I gave it my all. And he's still giving his all today. See, we can't see what God sees. We can't see what God sees. On the outside, we look right. On the outside, we got everything going. We look right on the outside, but see, God looks on the inside. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows the intent. He knows what you're thinking. So a lot of times we got all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. But there's a God in heaven that sees much more than we'll ever see. He said, He, God, pondereth all his goings. That, that phrase has the thought of weighing out on the scales, an accurate scales. 
When you put things on the scales, that no matter how small, how minute they are, it, it just kind of tilts the scales. He said, what you, he said, what he's saying is, you may fool everybody, but God's got you on his scale. He sees the total you. You step out on the scales to weigh yourself, you're by yourself. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Nobody likes to talk about weight, do we? You don't want nobody to see your weight. Thank God they used to have them in front of the stores. You can put a penny in it, put your weight out in a pit old sign, weight and all that stuff, and give you a fortune. I used to step on those things. That's when I didn't weigh a whole lot then. <laughs> but when you get on God's scales, you can't fool Him. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what's in your heart. And when you step on God's scales, God sees what is really is you. I wonder this morning if we could step on God's scales this morning and hear him say, you're getting too close to the edge. You're getting too close to the edge. I wonder this morning, does anyone here want to be honest with themselves, thinking, man, I might be getting a little bit too close to the edge.